Welcome, this is Josh Rees with Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. For more information about our church, please visit our website, milehighchurch.org. As long as I'm here, uh, I thought I'd talk a little bit about freedom, too. So, uh, yeah, the price of freedom. And um, <clears throat> when I signed on to do this talk uh, several months ago and was talking with uh, Reverend Jack, Dr. Michelle about this, we knew that it was going to be... Uh, uh, you know, a time of great change, a time of great uh, uncertainty. Uh, a lot of that is just up now um, and falling right in between Juneteenth and, uh, and our celebration of uh, independence next Sunday. So uh, kind of a three-part series that we're doing here. Reverend Josh last week began with uh, uh, how free are we anyway? And just talking about the things that we... Uh, uh, that we have running inside us that might be keeping us from really being free. So we started there. He also talked a little bit about uh, Juneteenth and the celebration of that federal holiday and also uh, the history that's wrapped up in that and our uh, history and also our, our urge to, uh, to do better and to move forward. So next week, we'll be talking about the, um, our... Uh, Celebration of Independence Day. It's a big day here at Mile High Church. It's the, it's the one day that we open the dome for the flyover. Yeah. And uh, those of you who are new here, you won't want to miss it. And, um, uh, but it's always been a big deal, and I've always loved this service when we, uh, when we celebrate our freedom and our independence. I think uh, Freedom is so in alignment with uh, our teaching, the teachings of Ernest Holmes. He said that uh, freedom is our natural state. The natural state of humanity is to, to live in freedom. And uh, it's always so inspiring to hear, to hear Jefferson's words, uh, to uh, really celebrate the, the birth of this nation. And I, sometimes I just think back of what it was like uh, in that time when uh, Jefferson was writing those words and they were moving towards the Revolutionary War, the, the courage, uh, the uncertainty, the audacity that uh, they were going to take on the British Empire. Just an amazing, amazing thing. And, um, you know, certainly winning the Revolutionary War was an incredible feat. And then a few years later, they got to move towards something even bigger, which was drafting a constitution, trying to find a way to govern this new nation of ours, to make this thing work. And uh, when they came together in 1787, there were no United States. There was a loose federation of the 13 states, and uh, they knew they had to come up with something better. And uh, they all had their own individual ideas, their own individual traditions, economies. And they came together to see if they could work it out. And uh, there was a lot of arguments. You can just imagine. You can just imagine, can't you? And so uh, they sat down and tried to, tried to put this thing together. And uh, there were things they just couldn't agree on, like the uh, future of slavery. This country, so they had to agree to disagree, put that off. But they also knew 
that they had to compromise. They had to. You know, I'm a big Jefferson guy. Hamilton's been getting a lot of top time lately. I think the singing and dancing has helped, but, uh, <laughs> but a real uh, difference in ideas. And yet two of the greatest leaders we've ever had in this country, and they knew they had to compromise. And it's important to remember that that's, uh, that's how they got this thing going, by compromising. The Constitution was barely ratified to move forward. But there were questions about the power of the federal government, how much power should be there, questions about the power of the states. They also hammered out about the separate branches of government, the executive, the judicial, legislative. And that's still on our minds today. Almost 250 years later, we're still battling about it. Still there. You know, today we're, uh, we're celebrating pride. Isn't that a great thing? Yes. Isn't that a great thing? All the, uh, all the freedoms that have been gained by our LGBTQ community. Those freedoms, uh, which are still fragile. Still fragile. There is still so much more work to do. There may be states that have other ideas. Supreme Court grows more powerful. And so those battles that started so long ago are still going on. We're still a part of it. We're still a part of this experiment we call democracy. The whole world is watching us. Can they pull this off? Can they keep this thing going? So what I want to consider today is... Uh, the price of freedom. I don't know who said this first, but I think of Jefferson. The price of freedom is paid in the coin of responsibility. The price of freedom is paid in the coin of responsibility. And when I'm uh, talking with teenagers, which I get the opportunity to do sometimes, they're complaining about their parents. I'll usually bring this up like, what do you think that means? The price of freedom is paid in the coin of responsibility. They don't particularly like it, but they get it. You don't just get a bunch of freedoms because you turned 18. You have to earn it. It's precious. It's an important thing. And I think it's important for all of us to consider, too, that the price of freedom is uh, paid in the coin of responsibility. Now, right after the uh, Constitution was ratified, they knew that they had to make some things more clear about the personal rights of people. So the first 10 amendments came up, which were called the Bill of Rights. We still spend a little time banging on those too. What do those mean now? Now that the world has changed so much. Now that we have such different tools of communication, weapons. What do the Bill of Rights mean now? And what are our responsibilities as we move forward and try to make sense of it? The price of freedom is paid in the coin of responsibility. So today I want to talk about maybe we need a bill of responsibilities too. 
and see if maybe we can agree on some responsibilities moving forward. I've always loved what uh, Marianne Williamson said about freedom and the Constitution. Our freedom is not guaranteed by the Constitution. The only thing that guarantees our freedom, ultimately, is our commitment to it. That commitment must include our capacity to love each other as human beings, to remember that we are brothers and sisters on this planet, and to surrender to God any thoughts we have to the contrary. So the price of freedom is paid in the coin of responsibility. So I want to put a few out there today that I would like us to include in our prayers and in our lives. And the first I propose is that we, uh, that we all have a responsibility to ensure the sustainability of life on this planet. All of us. I think it's bigger than politics. I think it's a place that we can all agree. And I think it's a place for us to begin moving forward. You know, our consciousness really should have changed back when uh, <clears throat> we first saw this shot of Earth from outer space. This picture has been known as the uh, pale blue dot. There we are, folks. There we are. The, uh, the Voyager spacecraft took off in 1977, went through the solar system and just kept on going. And uh, this is a shot that was uh, taken. Carl Sagan recommended that uh, they turn the cameras back towards Earth and take the shot. This was taken in 1990 on Valentine's Day. And he talked about, in his book called The Pale Blue Dot, he talked about how everything that we know has happened and that little speck in the cosmic ocean, everything that we know, all of our history, people, everything. And he felt that seeing this would expand our thinking, expand the way that we thought of ourselves. He said, there is perhaps no better demonstration of the folly of human conceits than this distant image of our tiny world. To me, it underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly with one another and to preserve and cherish the pale blue dot, the only home we've ever known. So, uh, you know, we're all in this together, all countries, all people, all nations, all ideologies, all political parties. And we have to move towards a more sustainable future for the people that are coming after us on this uh, pale blue dot. Grandparents think about these things, apparently. We do, because we want it to keep going. And we have to work at it all of us to get past our differences to do that. We said our vision statement this morning, it began with oneness revealed. Oneness revealed. Does that picture not show us oneness revealed? Yes. That's it. No borders, no boundaries, no flags. Just all of us in there. And we are such an important part of that, our country our country at this time, to reveal oneness. So I'm so proud of this teaching, that it's based on the principle of oneness, which is a tough one, but it's not impossible. 
So I think that's our first responsibility, is to care for this planet. Another thing that I propose as a responsibility is to make this world safe for our children. They ought to be able to go to school, walk to school, ride their bikes. I think that's important. I think we're responsible for that. And I think that we can do it. You know, when we come to that idea like, well, it just, just can't be done. Just can't be done. That's not true. We're not helpless here. We are connected with a power, a wisdom, a creativity, a love beyond our wildest dreams. Whoever created that entire cosmos out there that we are a tiny speck in, that kind of love, we are aligned with that kind of love. Our souls are bound together with what Emerson called the oversoul. All of us together. We're connected. So we're not going to buy into that idea that it can't be done, that we can't make the world safer. We can. Our hearts break, all of us, parents, grandparents, all of us, when we see this violence in our public places. We can align ourselves with a higher order of thinking. We can be informed politically, but we want to make our decisions spiritually and ethically. That's what's important. I think we have a responsibility to do that. We have rights and we have responsibilities. I like what uh, the writer William Sapphire said about this. He said, the right to do something does not mean that doing it is right. The right to do something does not mean that doing it is right. You know, one of the rights that we have guaranteed by the First Amendment is the right of free speech. It's good to remember that this was uh, written before the creation of the internet. Because we are seeing the shadow side of free speech right now. Because of all the ways of communication that we have created. We are seeing the shadow side of free speech. That the voices of extremism are the loud voices. The loudest voices that we hear. And they're persistent. And they're bounding the drums of isolation of separation. That's not what's going to move us forward. I think we're responsible to up our level of contribution to the uh, conversation that's going on. You know, one of the things that we we study here, I teach a class called uh, Self-Mastery, and we always read the four agreements when we're in there. I've taught this class many, many times, and I always reread that book, little book, When we start the class, people always say, oh yeah, I've read this book before. Read it again. Read it again. Unless you've mastered it, if you have, you're probably not in this class. (laughs) And the first agreement that Ruiz talks about is to be impeccable with our word. To be impeccable with our word. To be clean about what we're saying. To think about it ahead of time to listen and really listen. And if we're going to be a part of a conversation, 
bring it to a higher level. One of the things that I've always loved about this teaching is we really believe in the power of our word. That's what Holmes talked about. It's the power of our word and how we can change the conditions in our lives by what we think about, what we talk about. To be careful with our word. So I think we are being called now to uh, a higher level of thinking. Because now is a loud time. More voices, more conflict, more of everything. It's a different time. And we want to use this right responsibly. You know, a couple weeks ago for my birthday, Reverend Josh gave me a book. It's called uh, The Soul of America, The Battle for Our Better Angels. It was written by Thomas Meacham. I've always been a fan of Thomas Meacham since I uh, read his book, The Art of Power, about Thomas Jefferson. Great writer. Great writer, and he wrote this book, The Soul of America. He wrote it in 2018, before the pandemic, before COVID, BC as we call it now. But it was a time of great separation, a time of great political and social strife. And he was motivated to write this book then because he realized that we were in a time of great division, a time of darkness now. And he goes back through the history in this book, uh, beginning, with the, uh, beginning with the revolution, beginning with the founders, and through the Civil War and the times that we've been through. He... He chronicles that. And there have been times of great darkness, times of great strife because of our geographical differences, our ideological differences, our social differences. The battle between the states and the federal government that's still going on. How that has weaved its way through politics and through the culture. He talks about that darkness and how there have been leaders and there have been people, regular citizens, who have steered us back to center, to a place of moral strength, to a place where we could move forward with this democracy. He talks about the time that democracy has been in peril through the years the rise of racism, rise of the Ku Klux Klan, how we have moved through those times, economic downturns, the Great Depression, we have moved through those times. We've had good presidents and bad presidents. We've had good leadership and bad, but we have made our way through. He calls it the search for our better angels. Lincoln used that term that we have within us are better angels who move us to a higher level. That we can be politically informed but really be motivated by the power of spirit, by the power of love, and by this seeking for truth. So this is something that uh, Meacham said in this book. I'm so glad that Josh gave it to me at the right time. I feel he might have had an ulterior motive to get this into my talk. <laughs> he can do that. So uh, this is what John Meacham said in uh, The Soul of America. 
To know what has come before is to be armed against despair. If the men and women of the past, with all their flaws and limitations and ambitions and appetites and sexism, could press on through ignorance and superstition, racism, selfishness and greed, to create a freer, stronger nation, then perhaps we too can right wrongs and take another step forward toward that most enchanting and elusive of destinations, a more perfect union. It's never going to be perfect, but it can be more perfect if we put our hearts into it. If we focus on the things that are most important to us, if we take responsibility for the way that we show up, the loud voices will keep clamoring, but there's a heart, there is a soul to this country. Let's be a part of it. You know, the framers of the Constitution, Jefferson, Hamilton, Adams, they believed in the goodness of the people of this country. They all mentioned it. But it couldn't go forward without a belief in the citizens. That there was an opportunity to have a democracy here, but it would not work unless the people were good people and did their work. So that's what we're up to today. To be informed politically, but motivated spiritually and ethically. So I'm gonna leave you with a Jefferson quote. You know I would. And then uh, pray for a bit. Then I'm going to sing you a song. An enlightened citizenry is indispensable for the proper functioning of a republic. Self-government is not possible unless the citizens are educated sufficiently to enable them to exercise oversight. It is therefore imperative that the nation see to it that a suitable education is provided for all its citizens. So let's pray for our country, for that pale blue dot. Almighty God, creator of all things, we open our hearts and our minds to this sacred moment. And we know that you are alive around us and within us right now. So we affirm that the uh, wisdom of our better angels is making itself known through us this day and this time. That we move from despair to hope and to faith. That a higher order emerges through us. We can do this. And I know that you're with us. So I give thanks for the opportunity that lies before us now and the strength that we have to do what's right. I give thanks for the love that is more powerful than anything. Whatever we think God is, God's bigger than that. 
There's nothing that we can't do with this God that's alive in us. For this I give great thanks. So it is. Thanks for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. To make a donation, please visit milehighchurch.org.